Welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. I'm your host, Bailey Miles. The Building Excellence Podcast is all about sharing inspiring stories from some of the most successful athletes, coaches, business minds, and thought leaders to help you build excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. We hope this show provides you with tremendous value. If you find the show impactful, please share with a friend and on social media, as well as subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate it. Thanks. Now let's get to the show and start building excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. I have Allison Sheffield with me uh, today. So thanks for being here, Allison. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. If you wouldn't mind, give us some context, a little bit of background behind yourself and and just kind of growing up and what, what that was like for you. Yeah, so I um, basically grew up in Tulsa. We moved here when I was seven. My parents were going through a divorce. My mom's family was from here. So we moved back to be closer to them. Um, she uh, was a single mom. I had My dad was great. He was present, but lived in Texas. So we would see him mostly, you know, school breaks and summers, things like that. Um, I went to Union and graduated from there um, and then ended up starting out college at TCC first two years and then went to OU. Um, but yeah, I grew up in Tulsa, love Tulsa. We moved a lot growing up, um, which I think was a precursor to what I do in life now. Yeah. <laughs> but who would have known that at the time, but we moved about 16 different times, uh, mostly apartments and rentals and just trying to figure that out, trying to figure out, you know, what's the best value for the money and trying to kind of chase cheaper rent all the time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you feel like, um, did you grow up in Texas at the start before you moved to Tulsa then? Yes. So I was born in Fort Worth, Texas. And um, then we lived there until we moved to Tulsa when I was seven. Uh, we lived in a little suburb of Fort Worth called Watauga. Okay. <laughs> Not many people know that, but that's near Keller. Okay. And at the time it was, you know, super rural and really, really pretty out there. Yeah, Fort Worth's exploding in the real estate market. Um, so you said you moved to Tulsa and you moved around a lot. Do you feel like those experiences moving around a lot kind of shaped you? And, and if so, how did they shape you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it, um, and on one hand, it made me really long for a more permanent home and somewhere that we could stay. I mean, like by the time that I got to college and got out of college and um, was engaged to my husband, JJ, we bought our first house and I told him from the start, like my goal was to live there at least seven years because that was the longest I had ever lived anywhere. And that was that first house that my parents had built in Watauga. They brought me home to it and we lived there until they divorced when I was seven. So that to me was always the goal. Like, can I get to a point in life where I can live in one place for at least seven years? Um, and so, but I think it also kind of, created a perspective around home that um, like a lot of people say it's kind of cheesy but it's true like home is where you make it is where your family is and so tying um kind of holding that tension between tying so much of our perception of home to the building or the facility we live in and what kind of quality it is you know compared to it really just being about what the Lord has provided and where your family is, you know? So, um, yeah, I think we, we really longed to have a more permanent place, but it also, um, kind of created a different perspective on what home is. Yeah. That's a great perspective. Now, 
when you're moving around a little bit, were you going to different schools at the time? Were you staying at a particular school? I was pretty fortunate that we stayed in one elementary school, you know, in Watauga until we moved to Tulsa. And then um, we were able to stay at the same elementary school, went to Bovers Elementary in Union from third to fifth grade. And then we made a move. We moved twice while I was there, but we're able to stay in the same elementary district. And so I'm thankful that my mom was able to do that. And then um, we moved several times while I was in middle school, but at Union, you were at the sixth and seventh grade center and then the eighth grade center and all the students were together. So even though I moved, I was able to maintain some friendships. And I think that that was really helpful. And then once we were in high school, it was, there's one Union high school, so you can live anywhere in the district. Um, and so I was able to stay in the same district. And I think that that kind of helped balance out all the moving in a way that at least that was really consistent. Yeah, absolutely. So were there things that you did uh, growing up in terms of like extracurricular activities uh, that you were involved in that shaped you as well? Uh, extracurricular activities. I didn't do ever any sports. I really sure. wish I would have. Um, I didn't, we did a couple like, you know, camps and things like that, but um, I was on safety patrol. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> in elementary school. And I think that is uh, really tied to my personality and rule following and then wanting to tell everybody else how to follow the rules. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no running in the halls. And I really like the term safety patrol because to me, it um, in, emphasizes um, the positive aspect of it. And mm -hmm. my husband jokes, you know, calling me the hall monitor. <laughs> That's awesome. That's do a you, little bit different. Do you get to relive those relive those days at home now with the kids? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No running, walking feet, please. You know, yeah, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Well, when you got to high school, did you have a sense of uh, what you wanted to do um, getting out of high school and moving into college or, or what was that like? I think um, for me, so my mom was a hairstylist growing up. So she kind of ran her own salons. Um, and while I was younger, she did like regular hair. And then um, in elementary school, kind of found a niche in owning salons and nursing homes. And it was really neat to see her because she kind of had this whole small business going, but found a place where she really thrived in having relationships with people. Um, but it was very inconsistent. And so for me, the goal, I, I didn't ever know for sure what I wanted to do. You know, like I, I just knew I wanted to be able to pay my bills because a lot of times we struggled with that growing up. Um, we're really grateful to have some uh, help from churches and, you know, some food stamps and government housing at times along the way that really helped bridge the gap. But um, my goal wasn't ever a specific vocation as much as it was just I I want to have consistent income and not ever revisit that inconsistency again yeah did you do uh, certain jobs growing up throughout high school I did so I started working when I was 15 as a hostess at Pepper's Grill 61st and Sheridan <laughs> shout out there it was fantastic and I got to work at some local restaurants um, after that and um, I worked at Full Moon Cafe in Tulsa on Cherry Street 
um, worked at Famous Dave's Barbecue and it opened up near the mall and uh-huh. had these wooden pig name tags. Mine said Famous Allison and I yeah. still have that thing. Okay. Um, <laughs> and, um, and then I worked in at restaurants and stuff in college also. And I didn't, to me at the time, that was really just a way to make income. I did not, I wasn't there because I thought it was going to parlay into anything or you know, wanted to be in restaurant management. It was just a way to pay the bills. But now looking back, I see how nothing is wasted. And so much of what I learned doing those jobs relates directly to what I do for a living now. Oh, yeah. I mean, and being in the restaurant industry, it can be chaotic for sure, I'm sure. And so I'm sure there's lots of let's dive into that because I'm sure there's some lessons there that you got to learn looking back. And throughout the restaurant industry, um, what were some of those things that you took away from those experiences? Well, I think, you know, initially as a hostess, um, getting to practice the hospitality and welcoming people and greeting people and making people feel known from the moment they walk in, you know, and not like a stranger that they're welcome there. Um, relates to what I do now and meeting new people and facilitating relationships and fostering relationships with people. Um, But then also kind of the crazier side of restaurants from, you know, really ridiculous, outrageous demands when, you know, your food order is wrong and the way people can react to those kinds of things and how they behave and trying to maintain your composure when you're like, it's just some nachos, sir. (laughs) You know, like this is not life or death. I understand they're wrong, we're gonna fix it, but calm down, but you can't say that. So you have to kind of have a demeanor um, that meets the conflict with respect, um, but also kind of diffuses it and kind of help work through it and just be solution oriented rather than focusing on the problem. Um, And then just, all the elements of what goes on behind the scenes and in the kitchen, the prep area and the management side and staffing and all of that. Um, But mostly what I remember is how intense it could be when there's a full restaurant and stuff is going and it's moving and you're kind of on your own, but there's a full team there, but there's just so much pressure and demand and you have to keep your cool and go back out no matter how anybody has treated you that day or talked to you or no matter what you're going through, it is your responsibility to show up with a smile and deliver the best service you can. And um, that was a huge lesson for me. Absolutely. Yeah. You just, a lot of stuff you just talked about, there's some, some great lessons within that. Um, And you mentioned how nothing's wasted. And as you look back Mm -hmm. through your story early on, maybe you didn't know it was, you were going to be preparing for your future at the time, but you're just trying to do a good job. Uh, being gracious to everyone, also learning the ins and outs of of handling uh, stressful situations or different things like that. And then all of a sudden now, if you can look forward to what you do today, there's lots of variables that still come into play um, sim- similar to what you uh, did back then. So um, sure. nothing really is wasted. So if you can look at every experience as an opportunity and be able to take that and let it shape you for the positive rather than for the negative, you know, that's, that's critical to moving forward and, and always being in a life of growth and opportunity. So that's really cool um, hearing yeah. that story. So you wound up going to Union, you graduated from Union, um, said, how did you wind up at TCC at first, and then eventually on to OU? So um, looking at options for college, 
Um, like I said, you know, divorced parents, single family, we, we didn't have a ton of resources. And so analyzing how are we going to put the financing together and, you know, kind of trying to qualify for scholarships. I did well in school, but not, you know, top of the line GPA and or anything that was outrageous enough to qualify for stuff or have sports scholarships. So I started looking at all the options um, and financial aid, visited several different colleges. And then it just came down to um, realizing that TCC made the most sense for me. And they offered tuition waivers and grants at the time. I think they still might based on income and then your grades. And so I thought, well, if I'm gonna have prerequisites at first anyway, I can stay in town, get an apartment, keep working and work through this and it just be the most financially make the most sense because it was pretty much paid for those first two years with the tuition graver, uh, gravers, <laughs> waivers <laughs> and grants yeah. that I applied for. Um, and so I did that and then just really, you know, I don't even remember what the determining factor was for OU versus OSU because I looked at both. Um, but I had two girlfriends that both wanted to move to Norman. And so I think we just kind of collectively decided let's go together and um yeah decided to make the move down down to ou down to norman yeah and when you were down there what were you studying um so i got a an associates in business administration at tcc because again kind of not really sure what i wanted to do but just trying to think okay you know what makes what can make some money and be consistent so i was just looking at general business besides that to me the career options seemed really narrow. I didn't really know. I mean, the way I feel like it was presented in high school and um, what was that test they give you? It's like a military test. It was like social aptitude or I, I don't know. I forget what they call it, but it just presents these career fields. And okay. to me, it seemed like, you know, there's generally 10 fields. It's like, do you want to be a doctor, a lawyer, a dentist, a teacher, a um, or business and what is that you know and i wish that i had real i wish i had known that the options are so much more broad and so much more specialized and unique than i thought they were um but anyway that's just kind of a little side ramble but yeah um so i got a business associates in business administration at tcc and decided i'd just go for marketing at ou and I liked the general idea of marketing and advertising and wanted to kind of find out some more about that. So I enrolled down there and then um, met and started dating JJ, my husband. And um, he told me about a degree program at OU called Letters. And I was like, what is that? I already know all my letters <laughs> you know, <laughs> in the alphabet before I started pre-K. And um, it was a combination of literature, philosophy, history, and language. And I thought that was sounded really fascinating. So I took Latin and Spanish and a lot of ancient history courses and really, really enjoyed it. Um, and still didn't really know for sure what I was going to do. I just thought, well, maybe I'll go to law school after this. Um, but after I finished my two years at OU, I worked three jobs through the time that I was in Norman. And I was exhausted after having started working when I was 15, worked all the way through high school and then all the way through college. 
um, I was just tired and I thought, I really just wanna do one thing for a while. Like I just want to work for a while. And I uh, decided to move back to Tulsa um, and then saw an ad in the paper for a local real estate company, a young real estate company called Chenoweth and Cohen that was hiring for office administration. And I thought, well, I'm kind of interested in real estate. You know, maybe I'll just go see what it's about. So I applied and got hired um, and it was a great opportunity. Got to work there for several months and then was asked to be the assistant for Lee Cohen and Cheryl Chenoweth. Their other assistant moved on to another position um, and had the privilege of doing that and learning under them for almost three years. Um, and I think that was really interesting because I got my license during that time, um, but at the time that you didn't, they didn't want you to sell and be on staff at the same time because it was in a growth mode and trying to get everything going. Um, but it was really helpful to see agents bringing their biggest problems and challenges to the brokers, the owners of the company and watching them work through that. And so I think something in um, having proximity to challenges and problems in an industry helps you learn how to avoid those things or approach those things in a different way so you avoid them you know in a different position oh yeah absolutely and one of the things that you applied for an opportunity just to to have a consistent job essentially right and wow. then all of a sudden it morphed into something that you may not have expected and then all of a sudden you have experience uh, getting to deal with issues that are on a bigger scale and, and uh, allowing those things to actually help you in your future too. I'm sure those are things you go back on as well. Um, but talk about, I guess you, go, you know, you mentioned all the jobs you had taken has hard work been something that's been instilled in you for a long time, because the things that I'm seeing is like, you're always in a job, but you're always working very hard. You're being diligent at it. And obviously, you know, knowing you today, that's very true and what you do. Um, and, and where was that instilled? from a young age? Um, I think it was instilled by really everyone that I was around. Um, my grandparents were all hardworking and uh, my, my mother's father was a pastor, but he also started a fence company when he was really young. He only had an eighth grade education. He was one of 13 children um, and then felt called to vocational ministry, but also had a business that he did. Um, and so he started Ace Fence Company in Tulsa that was around for a really long time. And so he was a model of that, of both following the Lord and then working really hard and having this endeavor that he did. Um, and then my, my father's parents were both educators and teachers. My grandfather worked in colleges. He was a professor and my grandmother was a teacher in elementary and middle school. And they just always talked about working hard at whatever you do, you know, if it's with your family in your home and managing your household in your, in your job and your career, just showing up and doing your best. Um, and my parents were the same way, even though um, they, they didn't have for a long time, a lot of material reward for their work, they were diligent. And I just thought, you know, to me, it was the only way to make it out and make it more consistent um, was to have that drive to get out and do something better. 
Yeah, and one point too, going back to some of your story, is that you don't you don't uh, continue to get opportunities unless you do a good job at where you're at. Mm-hmm. And so obviously you were doing that, and you were able to become uh, their assistant, and then obviously get into real estate. How did it come about to where you wound up getting to become a realtor and starting to sell real estate and be involved in that? Um. So I, I was about three years in working for them at the time. Like I said, had a real estate license, but had never used it um, to help anybody buy or sell a house. And I was sitting at my desk one day and I had never really that clearly heard the voice of the Lord, but it was so clear. And he said, it's time to quit this job. And I was very confused. I didn't know what that meant. We had just had a performance evaluation a few weeks earlier and I had made plans with, you know, Lee and Cheryl to stay for a long time and all these things. So I stepped out of the office and called my husband. I remember thinking, did I have something bad for lunch to eat? Like what is (laughs) going on? And I remember saying, you know, I feel like the Lord just told me to quit this job. What do I do? And essentially what JJ said was, you know, do you want to find out what happens if you're obedient or what happens if you're not? And to me, that was like the most clear message. So I thought, okay, well, then I've got to put my money where my mouth is. Basically, if I say I trust the Lord and he's going to provide for me and he knows the best for my future, then I've got to listen to what he says. So I gave my notice. um, And then within 24 hours of my last day on the job, Um, some people that rented a house from my father-in-law called me and said, Hey, Allison, um, we're pregnant with twins. We want to buy a house. Do we remember correctly that you have a real estate license? Can you help us? And I was like, well, yes, I do. Um, I've never used it before, but I'm I'm happy to help you. Uh And all this time I'm working on thinking, okay, well, maybe I'm supposed to go back to school and go to law school or go get a graduate degree. Maybe I'm going to go teach or something like that still is not clicking, I'm gonna go sell real estate. That to me was never an option because again, I came from a really inconsistent financial background and I did not ever wanna do anything inconsistent again. And I had seen for years, people make a lot of money in real estate, lose a lot of money in real estate, um, working in it through the recession. I was not at all interested under any circumstance in selling houses. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, So little did I know that after I helped those people, then within 30 days, somebody else asked me to help them. And then another 30 days, somebody asked me to help them. And so it was just consistent provision. And then about six months in, I remember asking again um, to my friends and my husband, you know, what do you think I should do? Do you think I should go ahead? I've been looking at colleges and graduate programs. Do you think I should apply? And everybody resoundingly was like, well, what about real estate sales? Like you've done this now for three years and you seem to be selling some houses. (laughs) Why don't you just go for that? And I was like, no. (laughs) Uh, But then the more I thought about it and prayed about it and really just moved forward because that's what I needed to do then also to continue to have income. It just became crystal clear that that was, that I, I just loved it. I love working with people. Um, I love solving those problems and getting to help them with their purchases and uh, getting to help them build wealth and a legacy for their families in real estate. 
Oh yeah. Well, you talk about making the decision to make the jump into real estate or just, just actually first and foremost to take a step, you felt called to just leave that profession that you're in and take a step into something else. When you're processing that, and obviously you talked about faith being a huge component of that. And well, I definitely want to dive into that, but you know, what are the things that you're dealing with? Like you're dealing with fear, are you dealing with any uh, self doubt? Oh, yeah. Like, you know, what are the things you process? Because making a jump like that is very challenging for a lot of people uh, in any capacity. And just talk about those things you deal with and you work through as you make that transition. Absolutely. Um, yeah, number one would be fear. And it's like, well, what is, what is this going to look like? What is this going to mean? Am I going to make it? Um, I don't want to be broke. Like, I don't want to be broke ever again. Um, and so fear, self-doubt for sure. You know, can I do this? I, I don't, do I have what it takes? I've never really considered myself a sales per, salesperson. Um, I don't, you know, no sales skills per se. Um, tons of self-doubt because I worked at a brokerage where there were phenomenal realtors and people, you know, with entirely different personalities from me um, different methods, just, I just thought that's not me. I don't, I'm not sure I have what it takes to be a realtor. Um, and, um, yeah, just a lot of, of doubt. Um, but then also, you know, like the self-promotion side, because there's, you know, as a realtor, you, you're an independent contractor, even though you're affiliated with a company, and so it's really on you to promote yourself and put yourself out there and put yourself in front of people and have the confidence to, to believe in yourself that you can sell houses, that you can do this, that you can help them find a house. Um, but when you're inexperienced in something, there's that balance of, of believing that you can, but knowing what you don't know, you know, you know, you're brand new. And so how do you go and tell somebody with confidence uh, yes, on my first listing ever, I want to list your $500,000 asset and you should entrust that to me at 21 years old, that I'm going to do the best job that anybody could in this town for you, you know? Yeah. And so I think the balance of confidence and humility has been a struggle because you have to know what you don't know, but at the same time believe, okay, anytime I'm going to meet something I'm not familiar with, or I don't know, I'm going to be brave enough, first of all, to own that I don't know, and then go ask and find out and try to find a solution for sure. Yeah. So what would Allison today tell Allison back then to like get her going in the right direction? Um, I, I would think that I would say you have to want it and you're going to have to work really, really hard and you have to face that self-doubt every day and believe that you can do it because you will drown in self-doubt and people will stay stagnant and stay where they are because they don't believe they can. And I think that um, it's like a lot of other feelings or emotions or things that we work through as we grow, that there are waves. It's not something that you overcome and then you never deal with again. I still you know, wrestle with that a lot, almost every day. And so it's a choice to meet that, that emotion or feeling or thought and counterbalance it with something else or what you know, or what you've seen the Lord do in your life and continue just to take the next step. And so I think that that's um, one of the other bigger pieces of, it, of advice I would give people is um, don't get so overwhelmed with how am I going to create this whole career? 
that's too much pressure to put on yourself on a single moment. You don't need to create the whole career today. You need to do the next right thing. Yeah. And that's so great. Take the next step, do the next right thing, because it can seem so daunting at the time. Mm -hmm. And it's very easy to look at people that have excelled in whatever particular business industry that they're in and say, oh, well, they've got it made. You know, they've always had it made for them. But at the same time, we don't get to see the backstory of like, okay, well, there's there's a, a starting point that people have to take a step into something that they don't maybe necessarily feel like they belong or they just don't know what lies ahead. Like uh, obscurity and not knowing what the future looks like is probably one of the biggest hindrances to, to getting um, going in the right direction. And so obviously hearing your story about just having the faith to take a step, because one of the things that is a common pattern, you look at a lot of people that have been successful in different businesses or industries is that I think there's moments where everyone deals with should I be doing this? Is this the right thing to do? Should I keep going? Like, or should I just, you know, call it quits? Right. But what you see is that the people who are able to continue to just keep taking one step forward, one step forward, then all of a sudden, um, I don't know if you read Atomic Habits, it's just like that compounding interest. All of a sudden, eventually down the road, at some point, it's going to start going in the direction you want it to go because you consistently do the right thing. Um, and work very hard at what you do. And obviously that's true for you. You know, talk a little bit about faith. You know, faith has played a huge component in, in making decisions for you. It's in your life. How did that come about? And how do you constantly try to like discern what um, God is telling you to do? Yeah, I think um, I mentioned that my grandfather was a pastor and so, and he had several different churches. Um, and so that's been a part of my life since I was born. I don't remember living life without God and Jesus being a part of our household. And, um, and I'm grateful for that. And I think even growing up in a Christian or religious household, everybody at some point has to make it their own and wrestle with eternal questions that people have wrestled with forever. Um, and you have to own it. And so your parents may expose you or your household may expose you or your church might teach you about Jesus, but you have to um, cultivate that relationship with him yourself. And I think that, um, I've been really fortunate to, um, have opportunities to learn more about God and pursue my faith. And that has been a huge driver of my life's ship, if you will, you know, because, um, I think, partially the self-doubt and all that leads you to recognize a higher power and something greater than yourself. Um, but I think the earlier on you put, you surrender your life to Christ and you test him and see, like the Bible says, you know, test me and see. And when you do that and then you see his faithfulness, it builds confidence that you can rely on him and you can trust in him and you can do it again. And then it builds and builds and builds, just like you're talking about taking the next step and the compound interest, I feel like is the same way with faith, because then you have something to look back and see he provided for me, then he'll provide for me now. And um, so I think like the surrender of that decision when I was earlier on, um, earlier in my career, I've encountered ever since several different times and at sometimes much greater levels of him asking me to, to trust or make a shift or make a change. 
and um, he has proved faithful every time and provided more than I could ask or imagine, not only financially, because obviously that has been a huge life goal. And I have had income that exceeded my wildest expectations and more than I ever thought I would have. And that has created opportunities and things for me, but it's also in relationships and my family, in my marriage with my children, um, that the faithfulness has been, you know, the biggest, um, his faithfulness, not mine, his yeah. faithfulness has been the, the greatest blessing of my life. Yeah. And one thing that, um, you know, you talk about, um, you testing him, he also will test us right through these experiences. Yes. But one thing I thought about, uh, when you're talking about going through that decision is, is JJ, your husband mm -hmm. gave you a good, uh, thing to think about, right? So I think sometimes God puts people in our lives to help us, uh, to give us a little bit of discernment, to get us going in the right direction. And obviously um, having those type of people around you is really, really important. So yeah. real quickly to go back into your story, you know, so you start in real estate, obviously uh, all, this, all of a sudden things start going um, for you and you just start taking off. So what, what did that look like? Finally saying, okay, this is what I want to be doing. I'm going to go ahead and be a realtor. I'm going to get in real estate. I'm diving headfirst into it. Yeah. So then it just looked like everything I had heard um, the brokers and the leaders at the company say for people to do. It's show up at the office and be there, you know, be there, be in the office because you can learn things, even if you don't have any deals going on, <laughs> that you can hear people talking about deals or having issues or challenges or, um, you know, putting people together whenever you know, well, I have this buyer looking for this house and you're in there just looking on MLS. And then you hear an agent come in and say, oh, I'm getting ready to list this house. I just met with the seller. It's this and this place. And then you might match people sometimes, or you're in the office just there thinking you're piddling around and someone calls in and they're looking to buy or sell a house and they don't already have a realtor. Um, going to host open houses, um, which is, you know, one of the only places in real estate that you can go that people come to you. It's like having an open storefront and you can meet people and you can practice greeting people and being really awkward and making them feel so weird they just <laughs> turn around and leave or, you know, greeting them and they stay for a long time and they ask questions and then they ask to work with you, you know, uh -huh. and so you can kind of test out what works and what doesn't work. Um, and I, and also kind of figuring out, um, that like, you're not a match for everybody and I'm not going to be the realtor that everybody wants to choose, even though I really want to be, I really want everybody to like me, you know, that's just sure. part of my personality. Me too. It's part of who I am. I want everybody to like me and be happy with me, but that is not possible. So some people are going to choose to work with me and some people are going to meet me and not like me or like me just fine, but going to choose to do something else. And so, um, you know, getting used to the, the rejection and being able to categorize it as a part of the process and part of the industry and part of the profession and not as failure, because there is, there's a difference between the two. Um, and I also think, you know, there's a huge emphasis, I think, in, in real estate and other professions um, about never giving up, never giving in. And I think that there is a time to persevere and there's also a time to let go. 
like when it is not working, you know, I've, I've had listings that I had listed for what I felt like was way too long and then needed to let go or clients that we just butted heads and we couldn't make it work or whatever, you know, there's, there is also strength in the letting go. Um, but I think you, you don't really always know that until you practice it out and you see, you know, what, is this something to hold on to or is this something to let go of? Yeah. And how do you discern between when it's time to let go and when it's time to hold on? I'm not sure you're ever, you ever really know for sure. You know, sure. sometimes I think you let go and you think, then you realize later, oh, I should have held on to that. Yeah. And then sometimes you hold on way too long and you finally let go and you realize I should let go like way back at the start. That was just something I should have never picked up and took on for myself. You know, uh -huh. um, but I think also, um, continuing in prayer and for me is just continually asking God is this where you want me and is this what you want me to be doing and I'm not talking like as a vocation although that that's inclusive but like the minute things you know like today is this who you want me to be talking to today is this what you want me to be pursuing in the moment driving there you know is this help me show up tell me what to do so yeah and you talked about failure, uh, wanting to be liked by a lot of people. How did you go about kind of finally becoming okay with, okay, you know what? Not everyone is going to like me, even though I'd like everyone to like me. How did you, when did you start learning, um, that it's okay to just, that's not the right person for me and, and vice versa? Um, I think, you know, I saw, I saw that in the beginning. I don't know that I'm still okay with people not liking me. <laughs> I'm working on that. Yeah. Um, but I think, um, the practice helps, you know, it, as much as it hurts for people to not like you practicing that and during that going through it and then reflecting on it, learning from it, moving forward, you realize, you know, I'm okay. I'm still moving on. I still have a career, you know, and also um, having a mindset that there's enough for me here. You know, when I first started in real estate, I can kind of get really statistics driven and things like that. And I look at how many houses have sold per year per price range in different areas and all that kind of thing and market share. So you kind of have an understanding from the economical standpoint that there's only so many houses that are going to sell in our market this year. And there are, you know, currently 6,000 realtors in the market. So you can kind of do the math of, well, who are the longstanding realtors and how long have they been in the game? What kind of market share do they represent? Um, where can I fit into this picture? Um, but I think on one hand, it's helpful to look at those things and be knowledgeable of those things, um, but not get so bogged down in that, that you feel like every opportunity that's missed is then your ultimate demise. You know, you have to be able to weather that and go, okay, that one didn't work. There's another one. That one didn't work. There's another one and keep moving forward. Yeah, that's great. goes back, take the next step, keep moving forward. That's mm -hmm. awesome. So you wound up, uh, you're around the office, you're doing open houses. How did it uh, transition where you started to really start scaling your business and getting an opportunity to, to work uh, on the home building side of it? Yeah. So I got the opportunity. I was fascinated with new construction and I thought, that was really cool. The whole idea of it, obviously it's new and pretty, but um, then just the whole building process. Um, Cheryl Chenoweth that I was assistant for had a lot of background in new construction. And when I was her assistant, she was handling new developments coming up and lot draws for builders. 
and planning with developers for other builders to come in and then working with the builders on their sales and then counseling agents on getting them matched with builders or how to handle that stuff. And I was just very fascinated. And so um, I really liked in trying out different types of open houses. I really liked new construction open houses and um, exploring different opportunities there. I was hosting open houses for several agents that had new construction and then um, had the opportunity in the summer of 2012 to meet a builder. Um, and then a few months later, because things change sometimes, they called um, the broker, Cheryl, and asked her, said, we're, we're gonna make a change with our representation. We uh, got to meet Allison. We wanna know if she's interested in selling our houses. And so I was called into the office. Cheryl called me and said, I need to meet with you about this builder. And I thought, oh my gosh, I must have said something to them that you know, I'm going to be asked to never do another open house. Or <laughs> and so I went in to meet with her and she said, you know, they want to know if you're interested in listing some of their houses. And I said, do they know I've never sold a new construction house? Like at this point, I'm doing open houses and stuff, but neither on the listing side or on representing buyers have I sold a new construction house. Um, I'm, I'm in sales two years at this point have sold a total of like 7 million or so. Um, and so um, got that opportunity and started listing some houses in Bixby and Broken Arrow and thought it was so much fun. I loved it. I loved, um, I had four listings at first. And to me, that was a big bulk because you usually just get, you know, one at a time. Um, and so I got all got to do all that and they sold pretty quickly. It just put some wind in my sails and was really, really exciting, had a new focus um, and then was able just to gain some traction with that and was asked to also take their listings in Owasso and did that um, and then just went full speed ahead. Yeah. And so you said starting off uh, early on in those two years, about $7 million. Well, then whenever you're scaling, helping scale the business, uh, how many homes were you doing on a particular year typically? Um, so it started, it just kind of stacked on itself. You know, it was like 20 and then 40 and then a hundred and then a hundred and then 120 and then a hundred. Um, and kind of, you know, I kind of stagnated out around hundred, 120 a year. Um, and it was incredible, but it was it was a really interesting thing to see it spread and expand through different areas of town, different neighborhoods, different developments, um, and getting people in place. I had a team of open house agents that um, would come and host and facilitate open houses with me. Um, I had several different assistants through the process because I realized I couldn't do it all, um, but had never managed another person. So, you know, kind of working through what that looks like there and learning to delegate um, has been, you know, part of the process also. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and understanding, getting to the point where understanding like you need people around you, a team to help you through that and you're able to do that, which is, uh, you know, a great lesson in itself for leaders that want to expand and grow. You need to have people around you that are going to help uh, give you confidence, help grow. And then obviously, um, it really has helped. So you were doing all these things and it started to just scale, 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 scale. How did you start to balance 
like your daily life, not just within work, but with your family, with your social life? How did that come about? Where how did you get better at time management? I guess. Yeah, I think um, a lot of intentionality, and but I think sometimes uh, we want it, or at least I want it to be like a one and done solution, right? Like I want to be able to look at it and go, okay, well here's my map for how I'm going to manage my time, and it's just going to be set until the end of time. Yeah, but I don't think that that's necessarily realistic because sometimes you're in a busier season than others. Like in real estate, um, like JJ's family are farmers, right? So they do soybeans, corn, spinach primarily. Um, and I realized in watching them that there'll be seasons where they have more time. And then those are in the planting seasons or in the sowing seasons. And then there'll be a season when the harvest is ready. And it doesn't matter if you're tired, that corn needs to be harvested it's ready to go now it can't wait you got to go get it and real estate is very much that same way you a lot of people will say oh i, I want to get into real estate to choose my my hours and set my schedule that is not at all what real estate is yeah. you are very much um if you're going to deliver the best customer service to people you very much have to be available and ready for when those waves come when the harvest is ready and you have to be you have to show up and get it done and so I think um, that can be maddening in a way because harvest seasons can last for a very long time and be very, very draining. And so you have to either get extra help or carve out the time and create healthy boundaries for yourself and uh, working in realizing like what does rest mean for you? Because sometimes um, there's like active rest and then just rest, rest. Um, and so I think, you know, in some of my busiest seasons, I try to make an effort to have certain times that were family times, like Sunday mornings. I haven't worked for years because um, we go to church on Sunday mornings and that's important for me. And I'm willing to sacrifice or lose clients if they have to see houses Sunday morning, I'm not available. Um, and then uh, with our marriage setting in intentional times to be together. We started date nights even before we had children, but especially once we had children, Friday nights, I would get finished. I was not available, did not answer my phone, would set it to the side um, and just be focused and be present. And because real estate is very much a 24 seven thing and it doesn't matter what time it is. It can be 10, 11 PM, people expect you to respond but you're not a robot. You've got to be able to rest sometimes and be disconnected. As much as I want to be a robot, I am not, you know? Uh -huh. um, and then, you know, having children changes everything because they are so important and our time is finite with them. You know, I might get to have a 40, 50 year career in real estate, maybe longer if the Lord wills it. And I only have my children at home, most likely for 18 years. Um, my son just turned six uh, last week, the week before, last month. And it just hit me last night after I put him to bed that that's a third of the way through his life here at home. Six, if we go to 18. So that's already done. And I worked a lot the first couple of years of their life and was barely around them, barely saw them. And um, 
then at some point it just became apparent that that was not going to be sustainable. That's not the life I wanted to have while they were growing up and not the life I wanted them to have. So um, for us just deciding and with a lot of prayer and counsel and realizing sometimes you have to create the balance because your business might be so blessed or in a season that it's looking like another thing and you might be being called to a different position or a different level of balance. And so that might mean kind of like we talked about not giving up, but letting go of certain things in order to create the balance that you need to sustain a healthy rhythm in your life. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things is you touched on, uh, you know, what great insight just to be able to discern like, okay, this, the direction I'm going, even though it's great, it may not be what I want for the future, especially having kids and wanting to be a, a great mother and great husband to your family, which you touched on hundred percent right there. Um, talk about when you had to make a decision because you were dealing with tons of houses all the time. You said there was intense pressure to get things done. You know, how, what, what was the, the feeling with inside you that made you say, okay, you know what? I think this is time to maybe take a, a step out and go in a different direction. Um, I think, you know, for me, it is at this point, I'm, I've reached this echelon I never thought I would make. I was the top salesperson at Chumathan Cohen for seven years in a row, um, sold, you know, $300 million in real estate, had done 800 new construction houses. Um, it was thriving and everything from the exterior looked perfect. Like, wow, this is amazing. What could more could you ever want? And it was. And um, and I and I loved it. I loved every minute of all the people and all the experience um, in all of it. I loved who I was working with. I loved all of it. Um, but at the same time, there's just this, um, I don't know, just kind of this, I just knew it was, it was off. Something was off and I couldn't reconcile that. And it took me a year working through and thinking, okay, well, maybe I'm a little bit burned out or maybe this and that. We had weathered a year where there was some sickness in our family and my daughter was born and then my father passed away. And then I thought, well, maybe it's grief compounding or there's all these different things going on. And um, ultimately it was just a matter of, again, asking and praying and seeking for the Lord's guidance on what I'm supposed to be doing. And he asked me just like he asked in 2010, sitting at my desk and working on staff for, for Chenoweth and Cohen, he asked me, are you willing to surrender this to me and trust that even if it changes, that I'm still gonna provide. And that was really, really difficult because I didn't think if that was changed that I could still it sounds so ridiculous right now. <laughs> I just didn't know, you know, you just don't know. It's the doubt. It's the doubt. Yeah. You know, you don't see the future. Um, and so, but I just had to trust, like I was miserable inside and I, and there was, it, it was inexplicable in a way I could not, it didn't make any sense why I was so miserable because I had it all. I had this beautiful family. I had this beautiful house. I had this insanely amazing career and I was miserable 
And um, I think that that was just kind of the discord that the Lord needed also um, to force me to change. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I definitely, I really wanted to touch into this because uh, you've told me this story before and it's absolutely one of the best stories uh, because from the outside looking in, people could look at you top agent for however many years you just described selling hundreds of millions of dollars worth of real estate, hundreds of homes every year. And so when you're in real estate as an agent, like that's the pinnacle, like that's what you're, that's what you're going for. Mm -hmm. And so you're at the top, you're at Mm -hmm. the top. Okay. And you have this experience where you're at the top, but at the same time you have this disconnect within Mm -hmm. you. Like it just doesn't feel right. You talked about, and I think many people really would struggle with jumping out and saying, okay, you know what? And trusting God, you know, to, to jump out and take a step away from all of that, because there's a lot of money involved in that. There's a lot of prestige. There's a lot of things that many people, we, as people all want, we all want those things, but yet at what price, at what price do we want them? And so being able, cause I know it wasn't easy to be able to make that step, but you, you go back to having faith and trusting God. Mm-hmm. Um, and no matter how much fear or self-doubt, because it's really interesting, your story, and you want, you want consistency because you, you maybe didn't have that growing up. But at the same time, it feels like God is, is always calling you into things that maybe don't always have consistency, right? Correct. <laughs> but if you look at your story, when you take in those steps of faith, he's provided consistency. He's provided you with um, fulfillment in, in your work because you love what you do. And so it's really interesting because there's always a tension, you know, to fight, uh, fight fear and and have faith over fear. Right. And so you've been able to do that. And I just admire you for, for your willingness to be able to take those steps and to go out and trust God, even if you don't know, because you don't know, you didn't know what was going to happen when you transition out and and kind of went back on your own a little bit. That's gotta be scary, right? It was really scary. Um, but also really freeing. And I think that that's something that, um, you know, the tension and everything, like it was both. It was like immediate freedom and relief in so many ways to not have to continue just pushing forward in this thing and holding all of this weight and suspending all of these these plates. And it was just really freeing Um, and just such a good reminder at the same time of going back to what's the most important. And, you know, the Lord showing me that in all of my desire for consistency, that's what he is. He is the consistency. And so as long as I am continually focused and returning back to that, I have that consistency. And no matter what the circumstances look like, no matter what the finances look like, no matter which house I live in um, and or what my income is. And so, but he's still provided and provided so many opportunities you know and then people showing up for me with me calling me reaching out after after we made that change and getting new opportunities that would have never been a possibility if I had stayed where I was and and then ultimately getting to you know work with different people and see different perspectives different ways of doing home building different ways of running businesses different ways of handling the process um and then being able to be so much more present with my children so much more present with my family you know with my husband with our friends and having a different quality of life 
Yeah. And one thing when you talk about that, I think of what do you value? Mm-hmm. And really when it comes down to it, the things that you value are showed within your schedule, right? And so understanding that, okay, what I value here is not always adding up to what I, I think I value. And so being able to to go and do those things that you want to do would be a present mom, be a present um, wife to your husband, and then be just around with friends, but still being a very, very good real estate agent and also learning mm-hmm. throughout the process from different people. One thing also I want to touch on because when you go through tough times and hard experiences, there's these situations where it can either make or break you, right? So it's interesting what you were able to do when you had a lot going on in your plate, you're doing a ton of volume as, a, as an agent, you had a lot of things going on um, at home in different areas of your life, but it didn't necessarily make you move backward. You had a foundation there. Like it seemed like that faith was your foundation that kept you solid, all right, instead of some from breaking. Um, and so I think that's a valuable lesson, like continually trying to grow your faith. What are some ways that you try to grow within your faith and how do you go about doing that on a daily basis? I think, you know, staying in the word, I think, you know, just reading the Bible and praying consistently for yourself and not just reading other books or listening to other people preach. But like I said, just making it your own. It's about relationship, right? It's not about religion. And so pursuing that relationship and showing up and asking, asking questions for a long time, you know, my prayers could be very um, much full of requests or demands sometimes, (laughs) you know, pleading and different things. But um, I found in counsel, a lot of counsel, I see um, a wonderful therapist counselor, and that has been a game changer for me. I feel like People don't talk a lot about mental health and you don't have to be like broken and deteriorating or your life wasting away to have challenges that someone can work with you through better than you can do on your own, better than your friends, better than your family. And I don't mean like, you know, in every aspect, Sure. there's something about meeting with someone who doesn't have direct bearing on your daily life, on your home life, or, you know, on different things that you can talk with things about, process things through, um, and help you move in different directions, think in different directions than you would have without that, you know? And so I think you talk about the breaking, um, and I think that we do break in even minuscule ways. And I think that that's an important part of growth. It's just like, you know, you have to, to break a little bit to grow. It's like working out, you know, how it breaks down your muscles or your fibers and you have to break them down in order to make them stronger. And so I think we do have to be open to breaking down in smaller ways or little elements of failure or not doing what we thought we were going to be able to do or not following through the way we promised we would follow through. And then again, still showing up, moving through it and moving forward. Yeah. So as you transition out, talk about today and what you're doing today and and how everything has kind of worked out um, so far. So today, um, life and business are awesome. And I think I just see it so full of potential and growth. And I'm just so grateful where I'm at right now. I get to work with you guys and Um, that has been a phenomenal experience for better, for worse, (laughs) for for way better. Okay. It's just so cool that like, you know, your dad built the house my husband grew up in and just all the, 
ways. I feel like this is like the small, the biggest small town ever. We're all kind of connected. Absolutely. But just so much opportunity in getting to u- utilize experiences that I've had um, in new ways and with different people um, and getting to help people buy and sell and build their houses with really whoever fits best for them um, and just being able to um, see, just have so much opportunity and spend time with people and take care of them. Um, and it's just kind of, you know, for a while there, I really felt like that shift um, was a step back and kind of limiting. And now I don't see it that way at all. You know, I haven't for a long time. It's really been a sidestep and then opening up a whole new world of opportunity. And so I think it's also changing the definition of success for me, you know, where I used to kind of think very narrowly about success being really tied to my vocation and the amount of income I was making. And that's, that's a really narrow view of success. There are so many other ways to be successful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and one thing I was just thinking about, you know, so growing up, did, did you have a kind of a scarcity mindset or did you have oh, an sure. abundance? Yeah. And so talk about just having that mindset and, and has it changed over time for you? Yeah, I think, you know, um, definitely grew up with a scarcity mindset because there wasn't enough, there wasn't enough money, you know, or I would come home from a day at high school and there'd be PSO notice on the front door, electricity has been shut off or different things. Um, And so I, I just felt like it was really difficult to, to make it at all. And um, then as I've grown up, I realized there's, there's so much more, you know, I still kind of battle with that at times because I think if you grow up a certain way or think in a certain way, it's ingrained in you in a lot of different aspects. Um, but you just have to be aware enough to recognize, okay, is that true? Or is that me defaulting back until to what I originally learned? And now I know there's so much more, you know, um, I recently read something that somebody was discussing about how they were mentoring someone else in their business and they were in the same business. And this guy was mentoring someone who was just starting out and he told him like his whole roadmap for how he had done what he had done in his business. And the guy was just blown away. And he was like, why are you sharing all this with me? You know, you're giving me basically the keys to your kingdom. And the mentor said, you know, if, if, you or I believe that the Lord's provision is only enough to, to provide for me, then we totally misunderstand him. There is enough provision for each of us, for each of our lives. And um, so I think that there's, there's more than enough for me to succeed as a realtor, as a mother, as a wife. I have everything I need and, then, and the same for others. And I want to help them see that too. Yeah, what a what a powerful perspective for sure. I I, I definitely want to honor your time, so I want to start winding it down a little bit. But um, do you have any favorite like books or podcasts you listen to? Anything that you listen to that really helps you grow as a person? Aside from the Bible, like you mentioned already before. Yeah, for sure. Um, yes, I um I I listen to a podcast by Morgan Harper Nichols. She's kind of a poet and a writer, and just has a really beautiful, calming perspective on life. Um, and I love listening to her. I love Craig Groeschel's leadership podcast. I've been listening to that for 
years since he started it. Um, tons of others. I love a writer named Ann Voskamp. Um, she's written books like A Thousand Gifts and The Broken Way and several different others I've read. Um, and I really appreciate her perspective. And then kind of like you said, I like to read biographies and things like that. But um, my reading time is a lot more limited. Right sure. <laughs> but I like it to be, although, like you said, you kind of create time for what's important. So sure. But I there's a, there's a finite amount of time in the day. So it, yeah. it's understandable. So at least, you know, you're a present mom. So that's a good thing. And a present husband, a wife. Yeah. Um, oh, talk about, you know, do you have any advice for just being, being a good mother? Hmm. Um, I, we have read a book called Parenting with Love and Logic that has been really instrumental for us. And I think um, just, just kind of trying to be on their level and speaking positively to them. Um, like one of the early things that we learned was about just how you frame things, right? Can just really help affect their confidence and their mindset. So instead of being like, don't put that in your mouth, it's your food, your mouth is for eating or that fork is for some, you know, whatever it is. Um, but I think also just listening to them, like look at them, get down on their level, listen, hear them, you know, where are they at and what are they dealing with? What is their, what is their inner life like? Um, and most of all, just being present because they will, they, they notice and they remember that, that you were there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've got a deal called the fire round. So I'll say, you know, a word or something and you can just say whatever comes to your mind first. <laughs> so you can do anything if. Uh, you believe in yourself. <laughs> Diligence is. Uh, keep taking the next step. Favorite vacation spot? Oh man, really any beach. Okay, perfect. Well, My that's probably not true. Not like, true? Like blue clear water beaches, not like the Gulf. Okay. So, so yeah. Uh, my mission is? To glorify God and love people. Favorite real estate experience? Oh, man. Favorite real estate experience? I don't know that I have just one favorite. That's sure a good yeah, question. I'm sure you've got a lot, but... I do have a lot. Um, Are there any that stand out more so than the others? I mean, like I got to help some of our friends sell their house this spring and they were not anticipating selling, but it just came up and they went with it. And that was really, really fun. It was really neat to get to work through all of that with them. Yeah, awesome. Mm -hmm. It all comes down to. Um, it all comes down to, I think, following God and not following anybody else, like not seeing anybody else's map and thinking that that's the only way it has to be done, that trusting that you're going to have what you need to go your own path and follow your own way. Yeah, that, that's great. You know, the second question here, um, we're done with the fire round, so you can breathe a little bit. Uh, uh, but there's always, we always want to ask, what's the best piece of advice you could give? And you've already given a lot, but is there a certain piece of advice that you've received over the years that you think is the best piece you've ever received? 
Um, yeah, I think, you know, I got that, that quote, just do the next right thing for my sister-in-law. And I think that has become so pivotal in my life. Like she brought it up to us when our son was born and it was just about parenting because it seems so overwhelming when you have this infant you're trying to keep alive. Um, but I think that that has become one of the single best pieces of advice I've ever received is just do the next thing because life is so demanding, so distracting and so big um, that it really helps to narrow the focus and just, just do the next thing. Yeah. Awesome. This podcast is called building excellence. What does building excellence mean to you? I think building excellence to me means approaching your life um, with the intention of showing up fully and doing what you say you're going to do um, and not over committing or over promising. And when you do recognizing that apologizing, shifting and moving forward, but just trying to approach generally everything you do um, with giving it your best and showing up with, with excellence. Yeah. Awesome. Allison. Well, you know, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for sharing your story. I know it's a powerful one that many people will be able to listen to and, and learn from. Um, but also, you know, just the success you've had, you can see why, because you work extremely hard and, and you're very diligent at what you do, but also you, you trust God in the process of everything. And so if people haven't seen that, they definitely will from, from hearing this over and over again, it's a common theme. And so that's one of probably the most powerful lessons you can learn is to really trust God and then move forward, even in the face of uncertainty. So, um, thanks for doing, doing this and, and thanks for being, uh, who you are. Thanks for being a great mom. Thanks for being a great wife. And uh, we're just uh, thankful that you're on the show. So thanks for being here. If someone was to want to reach out to you and get in touch or follow you, what's the best way of doing that? Um, they can reach out to me. My cell phone number is 918-951-7000. They can follow me on Instagram at Allison C. Sheffield and, or just Google. <laughs> You'll yeah. find me. Awesome. Well, Allison, thanks so much for being on the show. Appreciate it. Thank you, Bailey. Talk to you soon. Hey, everyone. It's Bailey Miles. Thanks again so much for tuning in. We hope you found value in the show. And if you enjoyed it, we would really appreciate you sharing the show with a friend, subscribing on Apple or Spotify podcast, writing a quick review, or leaving a five-star rating. When you do that, it really helps get the message out and allows more people to hear these stories and help them build excellence in their life, leadership, and legacy. If you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me via email. It's bailey at baileymiles.com. Follow us on social. We're on all the different social platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Or check out our website at baileymiles.com. Once again, I'd love to hear from you, so definitely do that. And then thanks again for joining me on this journey. And remember, life begins at the end of your comfort zone.